Welcome, everybody, to the latest installment of Infinity Link, a podcast about everything Philadelphia Eagles. It's your boy Drew here with my man Don Jay. We're ready to get y'all kicked off. What you got for us this week, Don? Ah, oh, man, go birds as always. Uh, go birds. First thing I want to stop off, I kind of want to do a little rewind. I wanted to talk about that uh, potential Russell Wilson trade that almost happened last year, and he denied his uh, – no trade clause to come to us. Hey, first off, what a blessing. I just want to give a slight <laughs> round of applause to that because right. the season could have looked a hell of a lot different based on that. Man. So when I was looking uh, to kind of find what was going into that, like uh, who almost became a Seahawk, so of course Hurts would have been traded. Right. Josh Sweat would have been gone. The number 15 and 19 pick in last year's draft. So that would mean no AJ Brown, no Jordan Davis, and most right. certainly no Jalen Carter. Right. And it would have been our 2023 first, which would have eventually been Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. And a 2025 second round pick. That. That's a lot that we would have gave up. Man, I still have a <laughs> I mean, I know that like there's a couple of verified sources and stuff that have said that's the framework of the deal, but knowing what we know about Howie and how he's been making deals, especially as of late, I just man, that's I mean, you're giving up everything on the premise that the Russell Wilson and Devontae Smith was gonna lead you to the uh promised land. And I mean, I think we all know, and, and I think like you said earlier, thank the good Lord that uh, he decided he didn't want to come play in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, Russ is too much of a, he carries that nice guy mentality and stuff like that. I mean, if we're just being completely honest, that's more of like the quarterback we had before, Jalen Hurts. So, um, hey, it worked out for us. Uh, we'll see, you know. Doesn't look like things are going too well over there in Denver, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we would have taken some of his uh, post-game interviews so well as fans. Uh, nah, especially <laughs> if the same things were going on that were going on in Denver. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, if you really think about it, and I hate to keep harping on it, but it really reminds me of what you used to hear from Wentz. He'd go out there and throw three interceptions and have two fumbles. And uh, he'd be like, oh, I got to do better. That's on me. We'll get better next week. And they'd come back out the next week and get smacked around again. And he just, it was like a repeat. You know, he just kept repeating the same thing. Oh, we're trying to get better. It's on me. I own it. You know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's what you want to hear. You know, you're saying all the right things. But eventually, if, you know, the outcome still remains the same, you know, it's, that stuff wore thin awfully quick in Philadelphia. So, I'm with you there. I don't think that uh, we would have taken kindly to too many of his post-game pressers. Or, you know, with the uh, this town would have ate that alive with all the little trouble he had back and forth in the locker room with Melvin Gordon. I think there was another receiver that had something to say. Somebody on the defense had something to say about him. So, uh, good win. And, and Howie, if uh, you would have pulled that off and things would have went the way that they did in Denver, you would have been gone, brother. I don't know about gone, but he'd have certainly had some maneuvering to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> he'd have maneuvering to do. 
as hard as it is to say now. I mean, I don't know, man, if you think back it. I mean, he, he had gotten some grace for us getting to the playoffs, but had it fallen on its face like it did in Denver after he, you know, trades away the franchise, basically, uh, for a quarterback. I mean, goodness gracious, could you imagine? They'd be calling for his head, uh, Nick's head. It, 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 they wouldn't, you know, they might not have been gone, but they wouldn't be on the hot seat to start this season, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I would see that, I mean, with what Seattle had last year, Jalen probably would have excelled in that situation. Because right. Seattle would have messed around and been even better. Yeah, he, they would have had Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett. Um, of course, Rashad Penny was doing good before he got hurt. And then the surgeons of Kenneth Walker, um yeah, if I'm Seattle's owner, I'm calling my GM. Is that true? Did you get offered that? And we went for the other. <laughs> yeah, you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about that, dude. Because I don't, I don't remember what all they ended up getting back from. I know it was a King's ransom. It's not like they didn't get anything back for Russell Wilson. And of course, it worked out for them just fine as well. Too, they're in the playoffs. You know, they're a contending team. Uh, people have them as a fringe contender coming into this season. So. Whereas Denver's looked at as, you know, some people are picking them as a sleeper team. Um, but, you know, they, they, they've got a little ways to go. So, at least in my opinion. Yeah, certainly a little ways to go. Um, I don't know how I feel about that team yet. I'm trying to figure that out for fantasy season. I know I want right. Wes Wilson as my quarterback, though. Not right. Exactly. Yeah, so while on the subject of talking about quarterbacks, um, of course, Jalen Hurts had an awesome year. Um, arguably, I played Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. My humble opinion, as I've been. let's just let's let's just shit cut the arguably, man. You know, we everybody who watched that game knows that. I mean, and yes, now you have to put the the meat on the potatoes and say that Patrick Hart, uh, Mahomes was paid on uh, an ankle and a half, or probably not even a half, one ankle. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just look at the facts of the game, I mean. Besides the one negative play that he made, um, you know, that you some people could harp on and say it was the outcome of the game. But besides that one negative play, I mean, he put us in position time and time again to win that game. Uh, I'd give him zero fault, you know, in that loss. Of course, he has to wear some of it. It's a team sport. They all lost the game together. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, we're still wondering what would have happened if they would we would have got that ball back especially if they would only had to kick that field goal like they were getting ready to have to do um, for that freaking holding call. Yeah, for sure. And um, subject being, of course, he had an awesome year. He earned that massive contract. And it seems like we have a nice open Super Bowl window that kind of hard to unlock, um, especially once you sign a quarterback to a massive contract. Um. He dog, I, and I've been holding back a little bit on saying this. I'll have to like wait until the end of the year this year. But if he continues on the pace that he's at, he is everything that like. I'm just gonna be real. We've never had this as a quarterback in Philadelphia. Yes, you can say we had Vic and McNabb, and we had good quarterbacks. But we, McNabb's Super Bowl window is probably one of the longest we've seen in our tenure. Um, the fact that what and that was probably about a good five years, six years that we were really contenders and we only got there once and lost the game. 
Um, we thought we were going to have a good one with Carson Wentz, and that ended up being very short-lived. So, I mean, like you mentioned, if if everything works like it should, I mean, he's going to go down as probably the best quarterback in the Philadelphia Eagles history. Uh, and I'm not shy to say it. Um, and like I said, if he builds on and the character that this guy has and his hunger to get better and his student of the game, and uh, I mean, man, the sky's the limit for the kid. And if he keeps getting better, you know, you're – you're talking about one of the greatest Philadelphia Eagles to play the game, and he keeps on with the same work ethic. You could be talking about him among the greats to ever play the game, period. Okay. So the question was, do you see him elevating to elite? Because he's right on the cusp. Um, as far as being a gamer, he's elite. But, of course, yeah, we're talking about, like, um, I just, I'm just going to say – two quarterbacks who, of course, everyone, I would say majority considers elite. When we're talking about right. like Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, as far as right. from it, that's where, of course, Hurts came. Or even prime Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he he's might have fallen from that category now. I, I'm with you, man. I'd say, I'd say this is the year we need to see it. If he's going to – and, of course, I mean, that's so – asinine to say he's what year four into his career technically in year three as a starter um so i mean but i i truly think that he's he's that next echelon he's not far from breaking through that mold and i mean his will and his drive and, and like i said just all the things that i mentioned previously um i mean man i you can you can very well see him you know put him put his name right there as well um, especially, you know, if we go out and get us a chip this year or, you know, for the first time, I'm really thinking, and you know, as an Eagles fan, it's almost stupid to say we've never thought this way. But, I mean, if he hangs with us and, and we keep doing the right things that we've been doing in the front office, man, I mean, you could be looking at multiple. And I'm not going to go on the Miami Heat rant, and, you know, not four, not five, you know, or whatever. But, you know, yeah, you can foreseeably see the Eagles get a couple championships here in the next, you know, five to eight year window. Okay. Definitely like And that. that would be predicated on him elevating it to answer that your question. That would be him predicating himself to that echelon, you know. because uh, of course when especially in the back end of this deal that he signed, uh when his money starts becoming very real for us, um, you know, then obviously we're not gonna be able to afford some of the luxuries that we've been having here recently. Uh, but I mean, we've talked about it here recently. I think how he learned a lot from getting moved around in the front office as he did from being the man to getting kicked back down to under the man and then coming back again. And, you know, we just seem to be making, you know, and, and you love to see it. We, we seem to be making all the right chess moves right now. Um, so, but I think for our future, um, as far as longevity down the road and Super Bowl windows staying open, yes, that's Jalen's got to take that very next step, um, which if everything you believe you hear coming out of camp, I mean, they've already been talking about it this offseason, that, that that's what he's in the he's in the gym working on taking that next step. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, not so much, I made a bold claim, like, in our uh, chat, um, in our text thread. I love it. I think um, this year that Smitty is going to actually lead our receiving core. Um, 
statistically, we have two top 10 uh, receivers. Like, if I made a top 10 of receivers, like, just straight out, I probably wouldn't include Smitty. But production-wise, numbers say that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are both top 10 receivers. Um, Yeah, when you look at yards per catch, yards, touchdowns, um, like, they're in the top 10 in, like, all of those categories. So, he's French top 10. We have one of the best receiving duos, of course. Um, of course, you got like the Bengals out there. They have a nice trio. Um, you have the Dolphins. They have a nice duo. Um, there's some others that I can't think, but those three, us and those two other teams, I would say are at the tip of the iceberg as far as uh, receiver talent and production, of course. Um, so with the duo, um, Goddard, of course, uh, added Swift, who can actually go out there and split out wide. Um the resurgence of, of course, um, I'm not even sure if I want to say his name to you and jinx it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Our slot receiver. Uh... <laughs> I, I told you, I, I he's my guy, but I'm laying off any, anything from him. I'm excited what I'm hearing about him. But Quez, we believe in you. We have nothing but faith in you, man. Uh, we know it's limited opportunities. We've uh, when we looked at you last year, I mean, there's not much you can really do to really push for more production when you have Smitty and, of course, AJ Brown just catching all those passes. I mean, both of them probably combined for about 200 receptions. Right. And I think uh, my bold prediction. I think I'm going to back off of is. Uh, not back off of, but put out there. I think we're going to have three a thousand yard receivers this year. Uh, you know, obviously the front two, Smitty and AJ, but I think Goddard's going to get him to one K. Because I mean, if you look at the numbers from last year before he missed that significant time uh, due to that illegal tackle that wasn't called, well, but we'll let that one go too. Um, you know, he was on pace. I mean, he still finished with like what, like seven sixty three or something like that. I was looking at it the other day. And it was like, wow. So you give him the five games back that he missed or even half of those. And, I mean, heck, he either got close last year. Yeah. And, all right, this I didn't have wrote down, but it kind of – you just, like, kind of made me think about it. Um. So this topic for all our listeners is coming fresh – off the presses for us. Um, top of the head. Yes. Um, Goddard is at the same age where we walked away from Ertz. Do you see us walking away from him next year? Whether that be a <laughs> drafting a replacement? I would see, have. I think this will hurt more than Ertz. Right. I, I, I would have had you seen us go get somebody comparable or, I mean, like, Ertz is going to be available. I think me and you have kind of talked about that, uh, just that it would be funny to see us bring him back. You know, he's not really what we need out of a tight end anymore. you got to kind of block um, as well as be able to catch in this offense, which is where Dallas uh, was the better tight end option when he was here, and he's continued to improve his game. Because I mean, if you look at the field, man, he was laying some nasty blocks on those uh, cutback blocks last year. For sure. Um, but – you know, I I don't. I think that the Eagles are really, really high on him. I think that they believe um, 
Now, I, I'll put it to you this way. It's the he money. goes out there this year and gets hurt again. Yeah, they're probably going to start looking down at his replacement down the road. And, you know, because he's he's coming up for money. Or did we have we already paid him? He's coming up for some money. Isn't he? He's coming up for some money again. Yeah. So it's this is his money year, which I always love to see that in players, you know, because the ones that, you know, obviously selfishly, if he goes out and has a great year, then he, we, he might price himself out of our market, you know, with having to pay Snitty. And I mean, we, we've got other younger players coming up too. that's contracts are going to be ready to come through. Um, so uh, it, it's a, it's a, depending on his production, we, we had and started to see that breakout year from him last year. Uh, I mean, hell, he was leading, uh, tight ends in football with yards after catch. I think he was leading in yards after catching the entire NFL at the point he got injured. Um, but <clears throat> man, uh, I, I think we're still seeing the tip of the iceberg with Goddard, which is crazy to say because he's been pretty special for us. And I mean, you think back to some of the catches that he made for us in the playoffs, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I don't because I think that him and Jalen have that special relationship. I think the only way that he removes himself out of this equation um, is if he has an absolutely monster year and prices himself out or if he gets hurt again and this is a significant time of the season because, you know, how long are you going to keep pumping money into something like that? Of course. Um, Looking at it the way the contract is set up, Technically, he's supposed to be a free agent in 2026, but he can get out at the end of 2025. Uh, Come next year, he's going to carry a cap hit of $19.5 million. Same for 2025, with like a base salary of $14 million. So this is something that I definitely see how we get in front of because (laughs) – I was going to say, hold on. We're going to end up getting a blip next week or two the time. Goddard's contract's been restructured and been kicked all to a signing, you know. And eventually, I heard uh, on a sports show up here in Minnesota recently, and they were just running through and talking about like eventually the league or somebody's going to have to step in. Um, and I think they are changing up some cap rules, not this year, but maybe next or something like that. Um, but it's almost criminal the way these teams can sign these players to big lucrative contracts. And then, you know, year three or four into the contract, they go in, they just rework the whole thing. And Okay, you know, you still get kicked your money, but how it affects your cap hits and stuff like that. And, just, you know, and then that's how, that's how you always see, you know, we've talked about it before. You'll hear of teams going into these off seasons that don't have any cap money, you know, or they have very little. And they go out and sign one of the top free agents to a big money deal. And you're like, what? How did that just, you know, Derek Carr. You know, he's one of them. They did not have any cap money going into the offseason. Everybody talked about how, you know, doom and gloom in New Orleans because they traded away that draft pick to us and blah, 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 blah. And they go out and sign Derek Carr. Now, I'm not saying Derek Carr is an elite quarterback and that was a great signing or it's going to work out for him. But how do you sign somebody to that big of a deal when you don't like what they had like $2 million, I think, to start the offseason? Something stupid like that. Yeah. And um, so, what is it? Is that this year? Goddard turning 29 or is it 28? He's 28, so he's turning 29. Okay. Uh, turns 29. We walked away from Ertz before he was 30. 
I want to say Ertz was 30. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I and, thought so. I thought he was 31 or 32. Yeah. I thought, but I mean, I could be standing corrected on that. Ertz's biggest problem and the reason why we ended up keeping Ertz around as much as I love Zach Ertz. And of course, he's an Eagles legend forever for bringing us a Super Bowl and that hell of a catch that he made. Uh, so I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just stating the facts on it. He just wasn't very good um, in pass protection, you know, and he's still not very good in pass protection. I still think back to the game um, where Malcolm Jenkins and uh, what's-his-face got into it before the beginning of the game. And then later on in that game, when he went and took that shot at Wentz, he blew right through Ertz to go do it. <laughs> and Ertz and Wentz were both sitting on the ground looking stupid. And so, I mean, that's that was always his biggest knock um, was his pass protection skills. But, man, was he – he's still, you know, and he'll go down as obviously – I mean, right now he, he could arguably be the top tight end in Eagles franchise history. Um, but he's definitely in the tops, if not. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. So definitely something to look at and stay ahead of because um, not only is Smitty about to uh, command a lot of money, um, we got renegotiation and getting Dallas Goddard back under there. And there's even one more guy that's about to command like $20 million per year. Probably more than twenty million per year. Quite pretty honestly. sure Sweaty Jay needs to get paid soon, and he's earning himself a huge payday with the way he's been playing. And if we don't keep him, then he's gonna get paid somewhere else, for sure. And um, who was I looking at? Um, is it? Oh gosh, uh, who was I thinking about? You got Hertz, you got Smitty, you got Dickerson's going to be coming due soon. Um, let's see. I know they just did Jordans and how they just did Jordans and then they reworked it. I think um, it, isn't that uh, Malata's best friend? Who Dickerson? Dickerson? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. with Quentin Nelson getting like twenty million on average per year, like not too long ago, he's certainly going to command that. Did you see, uh, I think it was PFT's top 100. Dude, I was, our entire offensive line is in their top 100 as far as overall players in the game. Like, it wasn't just a set list. They did their top 100. Hertz was like 30-something. A.J. Brown made it. I'm pretty sure Smitty made it. Um, Some players on our defense made it. I can't remember exactly who. Um, Of course, I think Slay made it. But, yeah, there was, like, dude, I was – I literally was taken back by how many Eagles were in their top 100 from the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had Lane, Hertz, Kelsey, Brown, Melata, Reddick, and Smitty, and Dickerson, and Slay. So, what is that? Like, we had nine people in the top 100. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I knew it was the entire offensive line besides, of course, you know, Sayamala wasn't in there, um, and he's not with us anymore anyway. So our right, guy, our right guard wasn't in there. Sorry, four out of our five starting linemen were there. Um, and then, yeah, Slay. I knew Slay was like one of the last ones on the list, but I was like, goodness gracious. Um, definitely more than any other team that I saw on there. And I want to say by far um, it was more than any other team on there, but yeah, um, check that out, guys, if you haven't already. Real interesting list. 
Um, kind of opened my eyes a little bit because what I think Lane's in the top ten uh, in the entire he's thing. Right, he's right inside the top twenty. They got him at number eighteen. Okay, who's our top guy? Because isn't there somebody Lane. they've got? Lane. Is it Lane. Okay, okay, that's right. And finally, he's getting the respect he should, and I still think there should be a little bit more sprinkled on him. And uh, it sucks that he had to go play hurt like that to get the damn respect he deserved. You know, people weren't uh, Eagles fans. Yes, we we've long since known. You know, I mean, if you paid attention to Eagles football in the past decade uh, since he's been around, once he started got into the position where he's been making a difference on our team, the our seasons have gone you know, down the drain anytime we've lost him, uh, which was a big worry for me last year when he did get hurt. Um, and, of course, what a warrior a champ gutted that out. Man, I still remember it didn't look like with that first series against New York. It uh, looked like he wasn't going to be able to play. And I know me and you were talking about it. I was like, oh, no. Uh, but, man, you know, so like you said, props to that man for finally getting the respect he deserved. Um I, I remember, I think they had a center ahead of Kelsey. I was shocked by that. I can't remember. I think it was might have been the chief center that they had in front of him. Um, but that was crazy to me. I, I think that's undoubtedly those two are the best in their position at the game. Uh, you know, and I think for my money, uh, Lane Johnson's best tackle in football. You can argue Trent Williams wherever you want, but for my money, it's Lane. For sure, for sure. Uh, funny little tidbit uh, from the Chiefs visit with the White House. <clears throat> of course, um, first lady of the house, uh, Jill Biden, she's a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, um, he sent the little birdie to Joe Biden um, and asked him to arrest Reed and bring him back to Philly. I found that pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> As Joe Biden <laughs> mentioned that during their uh, little press run there. So of course. uh we we have connections all the way up to the mayor's office and uh Andy we're, we're well, Eagles everywhere, man. We we've been talking about that. We we literally worldwide, man. They've I've seen it uh on Twitter, man. There's a huge uh Eagles fan base overseas in England. Uh and don't quote me on England because I'm sure I'll probably get attacked for that. Uh don't come at me on Twitter, guys. But yeah, I mean, we have, I've seen it, you know, it's like uh, Eagles UK or whatever they have. And there is a crap ton of people. Um, Tom Peterson, one of the ones that, you know, we've talked about him on the show. He's a pretty good Eagles content provider out there. Um, I'm pretty sure he is, might be mistaken there. He or somebody he knew or somebody he brought in to, you know, the Eagles thing was from overseas. Yes, sir. Um, as far as the right guard situation we got going here, um, do you see Cam Jurgen starting? Do you think uh, the rookie Tyler Steen's going to get thrown in there? Or do you think we're going to slide over Jack Driscoll and he's going to man it? That's kind of been the battle kind of to watch. But, of course, Sirianni, we kind of go light during the OTA. So, not right. as far as action. Yeah, through rookie camp and OTAs, I've heard, you know, and I mean, Man, at some point, I always wonder about the information that I hear. And it's normally, you know, you don't wait until training camp and then you start hearing guys with their negative comments or, you know, whatever about people's play and, and et cetera. Um, but I've, I mean, almost every player that they talk about, you know, I've heard good things out of Cam Durgan's and OTAs. 
Um, I think they said that he started at the right guard spot. I can't remember though. Um, you know, but I, my favorite, I guess, going into camp would definitely be Cam. Um, but I do really, really, you know, I think that connection between, um, Steele and the coach, um, I think he's really got a shot. So, I mean, that's obviously the camp battle that everybody's going to want to watch. But, I mean, we'll probably do a little episode on this before camp starts. But we do have some interesting camp battles to watch coming up on both sides of the ball. Uh, Not as many on offense, of course, because we're pretty solidified across the board in most positions there. But there's going to be some real interesting battles and interesting things coming out of camp. Um, you know, especially at like our running back spot, we've got offensive guard. Uh, the number three receiver is going to be interesting between Quez and Almeida because if you paid attention to what Nick was saying, he was quick to bring both of them up when they were talking about the slot receiver position. Um, so and heck, even if they both you know make it out, they both push each other, that's just even better for the Eagles. So, on the offensive side of the ball, like I said, there's not as many, there's more like three battles that I can think of, but well, and then you got the backup tight end spot. It'll be interesting to see if Calcaterra can, you know, truly solidify that position. You got Jack Stahl who's become somewhat of a fan favorite uh, for his hard-nosed play and his ability to block. Um, so, you know, and we carry three most of the time anyways, because they do love uh, to load it up, especially when it's time for our QB sneak, uh, which I think we touched on this last episode, but will not be taken away from us this year. Uh, I expect to see that run quite frequently, um, especially when we get into third and short, fourth and short situation. Um, we'll see we'll see what these defensive coordinators who have had all offseason to try to plan for an attack to stop and have come up with. Okay. Uh, next, I kind of want to do a little biography on one of our defensive assistants, defensive backs, Coach D.K. McDonald. And how literally he was not the guy to actually be in that position um, last year um, when uh, Denard Wilson was still here. So in 2021, um, the person we originally went after was Jay Valai, um, who was plucked from college ranks, of course. Sirianni loves the college guys. Um, He's a former defensive back uh, himself, uh, played during his days at Wisconsin, had a bit of a whirlwind after finishing the 2020 campaign as the quarterback's coach at Texas. Um, The Longhorns had fired Tom Herman. So, Valai had got that call from us and accepted, and he lasted in our organization literally 12 days. Wow. Nick Saban gave him a call with a better offer, and we wished him a uh, farewell before turning towards um, DK McDonald. Mm-hmm. Um, Sirianni was very confident that he wasn't going to look for the first exit sign in a, a nomadic profession. So I'm not sure if y'all seen um, Alabama's secondary last year, but of course it's college. It wasn't up to Nick Saban's. Probably. No, not what you normally – I don't think they had a single – and, I mean, I could be probably wrong, but I don't think they had a single – I mean, maybe they were really young in that position, but I don't think they had anybody drafted from their secondary this year. No, nope. uh, Definitely yeah. not high. And we got one of their guys as an undrafted free agent at Eli Ricks. Yeah, that's and he was probably the best one. I think, yeah, we – okay, I thought I was right there. 
Yeah. No, he was undrafted. So I don't think any of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, so nobody got. It. And that's for Alabama. I mean, come on, think about it. Some of the best corners, the best corner I've been uh, widely debated, one of the best corners in the game is from there. Pat Sertain, the, and for my money, he is the best corner in the game. I wanted him so bad, uh, but I'm completely happy with Smitty, uh, and I love to see them two continue to battle. Um, they were highlighting it some this week, of course, because Pat Sertain was listed on uh, the NFL Networks getting ready to drop their top 100 players, so they were showing clips of Smitty talking about Pat uh, as the best uh, corner besides Slay. Of course, he threw in there that he goes up against Slay every day. Um, but Pat Sertain is probably his hardest cover, he said. Yes, sir. Um, going back to McDonald, um, 21-year coaching veteran. Um, he was promoted to defensive backs coach um, during this offseason. Um, and I said he first joined um, defensive back. He was assistant defensive backs coach in 2021. So crazy turn of events. During the 2020 right. campaign, um, of course, we went 14-3 and and went to the Super Bowl. McDonald helped prepare the second-ranked total defense at 301.5 yards per game in the NFL. The Eagles led the league in passing yards allowed per game at 179.8, and we finished third in opponent passer rating at 81.6, fourth in interceptions with 17, and fifth in passes defended at 81 as well. Furthermore, McDonald assisted the only quarterback duo in the entire NFL league to produce at least 14 passes defended, and three interceptions in 2012 as Bradbury earned Associated Press All-Pro honors and Darius Slay was selected to the Pro Bowl. And, of course, uh, Mr. C.J. Gardner also tied with the most interceptions, six in the NFL, despite missing six games. So in his first season in Philadelphia, McDonald aided a defense that allowed the fewest explosive plays at 117 and eighth fewest passing yards per attempt at 6.8 in the NFL. Slay paced the Eagles with nine pass breakups, five takeaways, including three interceptions, and a league-leading three defensive touchdowns in route, in route to Pro Bowl accolades. So prior to him coming to Philadelphia, he spent five seasons at Iowa State, where he served as the pass game coordinator, uh, working with the Cyclone safety the 2019 to 2020, and cornerbacks between 2016 and 18. He played an essential role in Iowa State's improvement as the team made four straight bowl games and annually appeared in the national rankings. Um, to kind of nip it in the bud, he made their team second in Big 12 in scoring defense and uh, total defense inside the Big 12 as well. And he's also helped guide three safeties um, to the NFL as well. So one guy originally committed to us, Nick Saban called, offered some more money. Nick Saban's not happy with the results. Eagles Nation, are you happy with what DK McDonald has done and the guy who originally wasn't supposed to be here and what the job he did in his first year or two? We should be. We yeah. should be. Wonderful. Let me put you on the spot real quick. Um, what do you expect specifically from our secondary coming into this year? What are your expectations? Uh, now, keep in mind, of course, that what everybody's saying about our front, our defensive front. Um, which obviously makes life easier on the secondary, but we're loaded back there too. You know, yes, you can give or take the safety position. So what are your expectations coming into the season as the roster currently stands? Secondary, are we including cornerbacks or are we mostly talking about the safeties? No, uh, yeah, secondary in general, corners, safeties, the entire secondary. Um, 
I expect another big year. Um, I I hope our cornerbacks will take more of a leadership role, considering um, the two starting safeties could as well be young. Um, Terrell Edmonds, I think he'll be fine. Um, he'll do a decent job, of course. I kind of want us to go the young route and put Ed Reed Blankenship out there <laughs> right next to Sidney Brown because – one, I know those two guys are going to get after it. I know they're not afraid to hit anything, and we already know Blankenship is a walking hit stick. Um, his first interception came against A-Rod, for Christ's sakes. Um, right, And right. that's something that Darius Slay has been trying to get under his belt for the longest, and Slay admitted he was jealous. Uh, after <laughs> oh, yeah. That was hilarious. That was one of the funnier moments from the season. Slay got on his little podcast pissed talking about that. The, the rookie comes in and gets one in his first. And I, I don't think he started. That was the game CJ got hurt, wasn't it? Correct. So I don't know that he even started that game. He came in in spot duty and picks off Rodgers. Uh, and I'm going to address y'all real quick, Eagles fans, since we brought up Mr. Sidney Brown. I've been hearing amazing things out of this guy, but y'all got to chill with this whole Brian Dawkins stuff. Um, yes, I know he is the greatest safety in our history. Um, you know, and going to be the most memorable face of our franchise there for a little while. Um, but come on, guys, you got to let Sidney Brown be Sidney Brown and don't throw that unrealistic expectation and unfairness on the kid before he's even taking his first training camp snap. Yeah, I just know he's he's a dog. He gets after it. He's not afraid to hit. He They've been high, real high on him. I would not be surprised to see him as, as our starting safety. And somebody like Edmonds be cut, uh, or since he's like really low, you know, with what we're paying him to vet men. So that would be somebody that could be in a backup role if he so chose to accept it. But you know, we're real good about letting the dad, you know, hey, you're not going to start with us. We're going to be honest with you. You want to try to go get it somewhere else? Go right ahead. We'll, we'll let you go. Sure. So, but yeah, I've been hearing big things coming out of him, man. I, but I just had to address it. As soon as you brought his name up, I forgot. I'd been seeing it for like two weeks. People calling him uh, Sidney Dawkins or Brian Brown. And I'm like, God, let the kid be Sidney Brown first. You know, let him, him do his own thing. But man, I don't know if you've caught any of the, the camp notes or the OTA notes about him. Yeah. But, uh, fast and explosive to the ball. Yeah. Uh, I could cut you off, Drew. Thing I kept yeah. We, we got to take a quick break. break. Pay some bills, and we're going to come back, continue talking on Sydney Brown and, of course, the other topics we have for y'all. So be right back, stay patient, and we'll see you all in just a second. Sit tight, y'all. Hey, man, what's up? What's happening? Check this out and dig this. It's your boy, Nephew Q, and I need everybody listening to the sound of my voice to do me a solid one time for the one time. Do your boy a favor and go subscribe to our YouTube channels, KY Beyond the Game and Conversations with Q. But if you can't sit down and watch us on YouTube, don't worry about that. We got you covered as well as you can listen to the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. So we always in your back pocket. You can always listen to us and turn on that notification so you can get a notification every time a new 
new show drop. What type of shows do we have? I'm glad you asked. So underneath the Beyond the Game umbrella, we have shows like Spoken Minds, hosted by Ike Barron and Chris Jones, where they talk about everything with sports and entertainment in a way that you've never, ever heard before. Oh, that's not your flavor? Don't worry about it. We got you covered with Conversations with Q, a show about life, love, entertainment, sports, culture, society, and everything in between. Oh, fan- oh football is your flavor? Well, don't worry about it. We got you covered with that as well with our Infinity Link podcast, a show about all things Philadelphia Eagles related, hosted by Donovan Jarman and Drew. But hold on. For our fantasy football players out there, we got a show for you that talks about fantasy football in ways that you've never ever heard it before with our We So KY Fantasy Football Podcast. Oh, oh, wait a minute. We ain't left out basketball. We got our NBA Fast Break podcast hosted by Keezy and Nephew Q that keeps you up to date with all things going on in the NBA. And then we have our Infinity Link podcast, a show about all things Philadelphia Eagles related, hosted by D- Drew and Donovan Jarman. But hey, we ain't left Big Blue Nation out of the building. We got our I Rock UK Blue podcast hosted by Bravo and Rich the Bull that talks about everything University of Kentucky related. Hey, you're not a Big Blue fan? That's cool. Don't worry about it. Don't trip. Donovan Jarman got you covered with his The Hills Have Eyes podcast, a show about all things University of Kentucky related. Oh, wait a minute. So you a Tampa Bay fan? <laughs> hey, man, we got our Buccaneer breakdown for you, talking about all things Tampa Bay Buccaneer related. So like I said, man, whatever mood you in, we got a show for you. Ladies, we ain't left you out. We got shows for you, too. Dive on in and see what we talking about. But hey, I've already taken up too much of your time. Make sure you download the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Hit that notification. I'm getting ready to get on about here. Let's see what else we talking about. Jill. Welcome back. Infinity Link, a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Uh, we left off on part one talking about um, Sidney Brown and um, expectations from the secondary unit this year. Um, the things we've been hearing about Sidney Brown's all good. Uh, actually, I'd say all great. It seems like it's his, exciting. Yeah, yeah it's uh, exciting for sure. And I hope DK McDonald is able to mold him into some of the traits we've seen. Um Generally, he played box safety at Illinois. Um, he will definitely be asked to play the post far more with the Eagles, of course. Right. Um, right. I've heard some little hints that we see traits of Buda Baker in Brown, uh, which could foreshadow like some greater versatility and the ability to move around more in the defensive coordinator, shine the size, Vic Fangio inspired scheme. And I think right. you may even see like some three safety looks um, getting Blankenship. Edmonds and Brown on the field simultaneously with either Edmonds or Brown playing a glorified linebacker role. And I'm pretty sure Sydney would love to be back in the box, kind of like where he excelled. Um, yeah. So that'll definitely give us some speed. Um, I know that was something that Sirianni uh, was definitely looking at um, because with the RPO becoming more and more, Famous in the NFL, you kind of want skill positions. Those guys are fast, kind of not. They're putting safeties down as linebackers now. You yeah, know? And that's the that's the new trend. Is is you've got not only the safeties coming down into the slot, um, and and that just means that you need more depth at the safety position because you've still got to have somebody to protect the deep ball. Um, you know, so you see it. You know, these teams will put in. You know, they'll have their free safety, their strong safety, but they've also got two safeties sitting there at the nickel linebacker position as well and a damn safety in the slot, you know. So, and that's one of the exciting things that I think about our depth uh, in our secondary this year 
Um, I mean, obviously, we know it's going to look different uh, on the opening man, 53. Um, the Eagles are notorious, though, for carrying five to six quarterbacks on their roster uh, and at least, you know, about five safeties. Um, so that's an 11-man secondary that you're looking at right there. Um, you know, we'll see if they carry that this year. But if you see that, then I would expect a lot of that to be um, – and I, I, from what I looked at, Desai did like to do that a lot last year. Um, you know, obviously he wasn't the complete defensive coordinator, but the scheme that he was in, they seemed to drop their safeties down. And I mean, they have one of the better ones, although he was hurt all season last season. Um, they have one of the better safeties to put in that linebacker position in Jamal Adams. So it'll be real interesting to see um, the differences in, in, in the schemes and the things that they run. But I would look forward, um, and we'll see if we start seeing it when camp starts up here next month. Uh, but, yeah, I would like to and, and look forward with the depth that we have in that position to start seeing a lot more safeties playing that hybrid line linebacker spot. For sure. And um, not to go too much off topic, um, that was a huge reason why Nolan Smith was also drafted was because, of course, like in the second half of the Super Bowl, I hate to keep dragging us through the mud, but there was a point where Mahomes broke off for like a 15-yard first down or something. I was like third Mm -hmm. third and something, definitely kept the drive along. And, of course, that ankle looked very darn fine right there. But that's something that, Sirianni is looking towards with the RPL growing more famous in the NFL, just having guys who won't be beat by that. So imagine Patrick Mahomes trying to outrun Noah Smith, who runs a four three. Patrick Mahomes is going to think sec. He's going to think a couple times about sliding before he gets to the first down, or maybe not right. even with somebody closing down with that type of speed. And of course, athletic or darting to the sideline, taking himself out of bounds three or four yards earlier than he did. Exactly. Yep. So having a guy like that on the edge, somebody like Sidney Brown also coming to chase you down, who's not slow footed, um, also isn't afraid to hit things like that. Um, just having those faster guys um in a second level because they've really added some speed. I mean, even um a linebacker from the Bears that obviously was in Scott Morrow, I think is his name. Nicholas Morrow. He's he's pretty quick, uh, when you look at his his numbers on that. Um I mean, gosh, I feel like our slowest people on our defense might be our, might be our two starting quarterbacks. And I mean, that's saying something because obviously it's not like they're slow, uh, but they are older. And I wouldn't necessarily consider uh, JB or Slay somebody that is a uh, burner out there. Uh, but you know, hey man, I like it's the way the league is going, uh, especially like you've mentioned earlier with the RPOs being so prevalent. Um, into what offenses run now. I mean, there's pretty much not an offense out there um, that doesn't run the RPOs. Heck, even the Bucks with Tom last year were running them a little bit, which amazed me. Um, you know, but it's just the way of the game now. And to defend that, you've got to have speed. You've got to have speed at, at, on almost every position, um, which, you know, it's making the true linebackers of the game are becoming, you know, somewhat of a dinosaur. You don't have too many uh, people that you would be able to compare to a Lawrence Taylor, um, or if you want to go in Eagles terms, a Jeremiah Trotter, um, or somebody of that mode. You really don't have a lot of those guys in the game anymore. Um, you know, I can't think of, you know, I can't think of more than 10, you know, off the top of my head. Yeah. 
Uh, you mentioned an interesting name because I actually have this guy on my mock draft for next year as far as the second round pick. Hey, Howie, if you can, if you somehow get a hold of this recording, this podcast, um, Jeremiah Jr. is going to be coming out of yeah. college next year. And he will yeah. be in the second round. Go ahead, just just stamp that. Go ahead and, uh, you know, and the commission that legacy yeah. pick, Howie. Just go ahead. You messed it. up. You messed up with John Runyon Jr., man. <laughs> but I mean, it's okay. It worked out for us. Uh, so yeah, we need you going and make amends. Since like you've been making amends, so yeah, you want to make that amends because that boy is nice, and he's like, he's what you see as the new age linebacker in the NFL. Dude's a side to sideline player. Um, good ball skills, which, you know, that's kind of unheard of for a linebacker. All they know is run side to side and hit the snot out of somebody, or at least that's what we grew up with there. Uh, uh, but, you know, in this game, you've got to be able to be versatile. And like you said, it's a big reason why we picked Nolan Smith, uh, because, you know, you go watch not only his highlights, but just his, his film from Georgia period. He, he played a lot in the passing game, got a decent amount of defections, um, had a few interceptions. Of course, those are on his highlight film. But, you know, he, he's one of those sideline-to-sideline players. And and more than anything now, uh, to use an old term, they're like a Swiss Army knife, basically. They, they can do multiple things for you um, to where you don't have to let teams know what defense you're getting ready to run because you have to take people off the field and put other people on the field for a certain style that you want to play. Yes, sir. Um, since you brought up DBs, um, there is going to be an eye on Terrell Edmonds as that was the mm-hmm. person we brought in pretty much key to be a starting safety. Um, I'm just going to say it now, Terrell, I hope I'm wrong. Go out there and prove me wrong. I would not be surprised to see him be somebody that doesn't make the roster. Yeah. There's, know, a, there's a lot of people like that right now, but yeah, he's somebody I wouldn't be surprised to see not make the 53. Uh, yeah, I surely hope he can. Um, the keys to his success is definitely going to be the communication with the rest of the defense. So from a safety position, of course, he's kind of going to be quarterbacking the secondary. Um, and he wasn't the main guy in Pittsburgh. Of course, he was the, um, sidekick to Minka. Minka. Yeah. I don't want to make that sound bad being a sidekick, but he was the second safety, long story well, short. Well, I mean, Minka is like the second or third best safety in the game right now, too, for, you know, depending on how you want to put it. You know, obviously there's some talents and safeties out there right now, but Minka Fitzpatrick is definitely up there. I know uh, Eagles fans are always going to remember Minka for getting put on that poster by A.J. Brown, not once, but twice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so that's his keys to success. Communication is going to be huge. Commanding, um, that respect from a secondary, being a new guy, being a primary safety. He has some big, well, sh- that veteran presence too. You know, how, what he's, he's got like four or five years in the league, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's a not a young pro. Yeah. So, you know, we have a very young secondary outside of him. So, I mean, he very well, if he establishes himself as that mentor and, you know, gets that, you know, because I think obviously in our secondary, those leadership positions, I mean, the first one you think of is Slay, um, you know, as the captain. I mean, he wears that C on his chest. So, you know, 
obviously they play different positions. There's different things you have to look out for, especially on free snap reads and stuff like that. But I think as far as vocal leaders of that secondary, I think obviously you look no further than Darius Slay. Um, you know, but like you said, the communication that he has getting in there, is he helping out with the uh, older guys? Could he be somebody that, you know, when we need to move Sydney uh, or even Reed down into that hybrid linebacker position, um, play him up on the line, he's somebody that you can bring in off the bench to come out there. Um, you know, before and last year, gosh, we saw a couple of really bad uh, people get put in that position. I'm not going to say any names. He's obviously somebody I don't expect to make the 53 this year, um, even though he did have good moments. You know, I think he did have a couple picks for us last year, uh, Mr. Scott. But, you know, is and that's to me is, you know, that's what I'm ready for is I'm ready for this camp battle. Man. I'm ready to see who. Who's going to make it, you know, because there's always every year there's a surprise. Somebody you thought would make the roster um, doesn't, you know, so we, we've we got a lot of talent on this roster. So that's nothing but good things for us. You're pretty much going to have to be up to your game and playing at your A level to uh, make this roster. Okay. Yeah. A lot to certainly look forward to, see how this roster is going to shape out. Um, can't wait to that part's over with, of course. Uh, I mentioned in our little chat another surprise cut um, at the running back position. I'm not Ooh. sure how much weight I want to put on that, but it very well could be, man. I mean, he's another low. He's, he's just like Terrell, lowest. You know, they're not paying him a ton of money. It's not like it's going to be a huge cap hit to him if they let him go. Yeah, and. <clears throat> So the person I'm speaking about is Rashad Penny. Um, with how Sirianni has been bigging up Trey Sermon this year, um, and of course Kenny G is going to need his carries, Rashad Penny has kind of like a lot to prove as far as why he should remain on the roster heading into the season. Because if Trey right. Sermon is this good as Nick Sirianni is putting up to be, why have two Rashad Pennies, you know, like that bullish running back? Um, right. You can't, one thing we can't do or afford to do is honestly keep Kenny G off the field as well. Even exactly. though Swift have similar traits, um, Kenny G has earned um, some playing time. Um, and that's somebody I, I want to see. <clears throat> I want to see given more opportunity to truly showcase what he can do with his carries. Because, of course, he was behind Booby last year. Um, during that play, right. um, clearly, I would want to say Kenny G was the better running back for the entire playoff run. Um, undoubtedly, absolutely, and, and I mean that's why he got the bulk of the carries and the bulk of the yards. I mean, it that that right there to me is what spelled the unquestioned end for Miles Sanders because the way he played the majority of the season last year, Miles had earned himself the contract that he got. And he halfway earned it from us. And as you see now, it's not like we didn't have the money that we couldn't pay that. We just weren't going to do it. You know, um, we I, weren't going to do it, Drew. What's that? It's because he can't stay healthy. That was that, with him in the playoffs. In the, like he was hurt. And he won't hit the hole. That's like, and I mean, you hear inadvertently you heard Sirianni talking about that, you know, like that what they expect out of their running backs is, you know, yet 
<laughs> you can dance and make big moves and, you know, that's going to get you the big runs. But what works for our offense and with our offensive line being as dominant as they are, hit the hole, man. The hole is there. What are you dancing around for trying to break it outside and get – I mean, you did it in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think I even sent you the video that, you know, he, uh, Tom Peterson put out there. He showed both the videos that he did it on where he had a hole and he hit the hole between Lane and uh, Isaac. He probably would have had a five, six yard gain. You know, it's not going to be anything. Third and one, a crucial third and one that he didn't pick up. And he right. cost us a fumble six on that screen, but luckily it was ruled incomplete. So he played himself out of Philadelphia in the playoffs, you know, to, to me, because going into the playoffs, I, to me, when we were talking about it, he had earned a contract. You know, I thought at least if, as long as the price wasn't outrageous, which we know with the running back market going the way it is, that they're not anymore. These running back contracts are super friendly, if anything else. Uh, you know, so it's not that, as you see, with the, I mean, we still have money right now sitting around. That's why we all don't think that Howie's done. Um, you know, that's why there's a lot of grumblings going on right now that, you know, potentially we're getting ready to make a move here soon. Because, uh, you know, we want to try to get it done before camp so that we can get the person in in camp. And this is right around the time last year uh, where we made the CJ move. Of course, of course. And, Booby, um, I have nothing but love and respect for you. Um, the bouncing to the outside and, you know, just kind of using your athleticism to make those big plays. Him and Saquon Barkley got away with that a lot in college just because mm-hmm. – Simply, I'm better than you. Right, <laughs> that, they were better and faster. Yeah, I'm and better. The problem is, is now that the the big dudes that are chasing them are just as freaking fast as they are, and I mean that's why you see Saquon has a lot of the same issues. He has injury issues. Yeah. Um, I think last year was one of the years where it was pretty quiet for injuries, but I mean, you still remember even with our game. I think both times with our game, he was questioned when he didn't play in the second one because they didn't need him to. They had already made the playoffs, but that first game, he was questionable to play, and, I mean, he really had no impact on our game. We blew them out. Yeah, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, Well, another topic that's coming that wasn't actually written down. So we were so good last year defensively, well, actually offensively, because that's kind of what kept the defense um, in these situations. Um, Our issues last year was our run defense. We allowed 4.6 yards per carry which was 24th best in the league and fifth worst in franchise history. Franchise history. Um, yeah, we've always been a strong team against say because our line has historically always been good. Yeah. Allowed five yards per carry nine times in the regular season and two more times in the postseason, by far the most in franchise history. 11 total games allowing five yards per carry is most in NFL history. Not good. And when you hear about that, you wonder how we ended up at 14 and three, right? Well, it's because right. our offense was putting up a lot of freaking points. So right. teams couldn't stay with the ground attack to exploit our run defense. So exactly. You had to get a lead on us. And I mean, that became the formula that everybody tried to use. Um, you know, and then unfortunately, uh, like you said, we, we, we hate to keep opening this wound again. Unfortunately, it all went backwards uh, in the Super Bowl. But we couldn't stop the damn run in that game either. Pacheco ran all over us. Absolutely. And um, 
as I mentioned, the best run defense last year was the offense. Um, often we had big leads. Opposing teams gave up on the run early and ran only 26 times per game, which was 12 fewest in the NFL. But when teams were able to stick with it, they did some damage. Um, I'm not sure if you all remember the game against the Lions, but Swift did damage that game. Tore us up. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I'm so excited for him if he stays healthy. And I mean, and and I mean, think about that. You've got two guys that the pursuit, the presumable, if you look at and don't cut out Kenny G as the top two guy, the presumable top two guys that are favored to win the number one spot right now, uh, both have injury history. So mm-hmm. what better way than to, you know, hey, part of the reason why running backs get hurt like that, especially coming from Seattle, because you run your running backs into the ground up there. Um, you know, they, they get a lot of carries uh, and a bulk load of work. I mean, it's why you saw the, the rookie this year got hurt, too. The uh, Seahawks running went through, like, three running backs this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, they did. You know, and that's because they give their running backs a lot of the workload. So a decreased workload for either guy could potentially lead to what we're hoping is a, a home run. Now, I'm hearing um, that obviously, yes, depending on how the season goes, depends on it. But they really like um, – Swift and not putting it past them to say that he's a one and done this year. You know, it'll be on his production, but he could very well play himself in uh, to another contract here. Of course. Um, that'll definitely be something that we talk about towards the end of the year, just based on what he does. Yeah. So we did more history. Um, the, Eagles became only the ninth team in NFL history to reach the Super Bowl despite allowing at least 4.6 yards per carry. Um, So Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs definitely tore us up in the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco definitely killed us. Um, I mean, he rushed 15 yards. I mean, 15 carries, 76 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Um, And one of the worst offenders as far as like rushing grade goes was a guy we actually just let walk in free agency javon hargrave um he had a 49.0 run grade last year was ranked 48th out of 52 for interior linemen who played at least 250 run defense snaps so while we'll certainly miss hargrave's sack production and his ability to break down the pocket from inside just subbing in jalen carter for hargrave should make a huge difference in the run defense and an increased workload for Jordan Davis will help too. Davis's right. 72.2 run defense grade was second highest last year among all Eagles interior linemen. Right. Only behind when he was right. We when he was right, that was I mean, we almost became a completely unstoppable team because when he was completely right and in tune, I mean, we were stopping the run. They they just and that's what I expect to see, barring a bunch of injuries in camp, knock on wood, or anything like that happening this year, is we've got a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you know, it's easier for our numbers to stay down. Now, of course, people want to talk about the schedule and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we do have a very brutal schedule coming up this year. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's going to be key, just like I mentioned, you know, with the running backs. You don't have to wear these guys out. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are going to be able to extend their careers at least by another year or two, um, just by the fact that they're not having to play 85% of the snaps, 80% of the snaps. They're playing on a bad week, 60, 
You yeah, know, Brandon I don't Graham's even think they have like it's sixty. No, yeah, Brandon Graham is gonna be you know somebody that you bring in. I I look to see him as we go for speed. I look to see him use him more in like a NASCAR type package, like we did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, you know, kick him on inside. You know, and and Fletch, you know. I I thought when you told me one of our worst run defenders last year was going to be Fletch, but I mean, with what we have now, I think it's going to be a lot less. Teams aren't going to double him like they were. And as you saw towards the end of the year, when teams thought he had lost the step and started stopped doubling him as much, he started going back to being productive after everybody was all on him about getting pushed around. Well, I mean, guess what? When you got to when you got seven hundred and fifty you know, combined pounds pushing you out of the way. I mean, even the strongest men in the world are going to get pushed around by that. So, you know, I think it, especially with Hassan's production, and then you've got Sweat's production, you know, you got Brandon Graham who had over 10 sacks. I mean, think about that. You just talked about him not starting next year. He could have got a bigger deal and went to Cleveland, started next year, you know, opposite Miles Garrett, and he got 10 and a half sacks last year, wasn't it? Or I, he may have had more, you know, but think about that. And that guy's that's got a guy that you just mentioned is not even going to start. You know, he'll be lucky to play probably 40% of the snaps for us. Yeah, because the starters, I would imagine, at edge is going to be Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. Yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. But, yeah, um, I love when I get to bring up Milton Williams. I'm just terribly high on him. But, uh um, Another little key thing I wanted to talk about, um, this is one of Rube's observations that I've seen. Jalen Hurts has at least 750 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, and a four-and-a-half average or better with single-digit interceptions in the last two seasons. Nobody else in NFL history has had one such season, and he has two of them. Wow. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So that's another one of the things that I think you're going to see. Uh, and I think I did shoot this to you in the text. So another one of my predictions I'm willing to make for next year, and this is probably a gimme one, so don't laugh at me. But I think, you know, and he didn't do it last year, so I think Jalen will throw for over 30 touchdowns this year. I'm going to go out on a limb now, and it's really hard because unless they figure out a way to stop that quarterback sneak, his touchdown production might not go, you know, down very much as far as rushing touchdown goes. But I do think you will see those numbers decline in favor of his passing. Um, and from what you hear about everything he's working on in the offseason. And that's kind of the next step for me is, you know, there were times and instances, you know, even in the Super Bowl last year where you might have wanted to see him hang around for just another second. You know, you've got all that talent out there to see if somebody can get open or at least in position for a 50-50 ball um, to where he takes off out of the pocket. I just don't think you'll see them run him as much next year, um, especially with him getting hurt last year towards the end of the year. I don't think they're going to do that. And think about that, guys. We're still talking about Jalen earlier in the show outplaying the best quarterback in the game. Yes, he was on one foot, but Jalen was on one shoulder, and it's not the opposite shoulder. It was the shoulder you used to throw. So the fact that he was, I think you will see now with that time to rest and heal as it got through the offseason. I mean, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm not, but I really think I think this is going to be the year that a, a lot of us have been waiting for. 
Um, even in our Super Bowl run, we weren't the unquestioned best team all season long. We really teetered on it last year, you know, there for the longest time. And even you can still say we were probably the most talented team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really think this might be the, you know, everybody, you know, some of the franchises have had their dream seasons, especially the ones that have had a lot of success where, you know, just that flat out unquestioned best team, you know, week in, week out, you know, they may drop a game or two here or there in the regular season that they shouldn't have. But when it's time to turn it on in the playoffs, they just come out and do what they're, they're supposed to do. And we really, really have a chance for that as a team this year. Uh, and I honestly can't think of a time. Yes, uh, the dream team, which obviously, gosh, you don't even want to speak that. That, that didn't pan out anywhere near. But that that had nowhere near the talent that this roster has. Um, and even when we got T.O. in that Super Bowl run back then, I think this team that we have, uh, and even last year's team, I would say, and argue is more talented, but this team that we have coming in right here is probably the most talented team in Eagles history. Yeah, um, definitely, arguably. I definitely will say that. Um, as far I just as- I have a hard time thinking of a team that that top to bottom like this. I mean, yes, we have a couple holes. We'll see if they get addressed before camp gets going. But I mean, top to bottom, I, and especially in the positions where you want your your best players. I just, you know, like I said, and I already think Hertz can go down as the best quarterback ever to play for the Eagles uh, and one of the all time greats. So, and I think we just have, you know. With with to piggyback off what you said about Smitty, I think Smitty could have you know go down with the chance to have even a better career uh, than Marvin Harrison. Obviously, I'm gonna pump the brakes. That's one of the all time greats, probably a top ten receiver ever to play the game. Um, but you know that's that's the kind of talent this team has. So that's that's the point I'm trying to drive home here, guys. Is that I mean I just can't think of a time where top to bottom that we've had these this much talent uh, at this many positions. Yeah, even some of our most memorable teams, there's like obvious holes. Um, I mean, we yeah. we have what one or two here, which would be one right guard, but that's just because we don't know who's there and haven't seen them play that position yet. Right. And two safety. And what we're assuming out of safety, yep. That's, that's like exactly. it. If you really want to be. That all changes if Howie makes a move that, you know, everybody's hoping that he makes. Um you know, obviously there's a few different moves he could make out there, but, you know, we're at that point in the off season right now. And I mean, think about it. We talked about it at the end of the draft. We talked about it heading into the off season. We have a good amount of picks next year too. And I, I don't, we don't have two number ones. I don't think, um, but we do have like 10, 11 picks, something like that, especially with our comp picks. So we could easily move into the first round again, if there's something to have. Exactly. Exactly. If there's, so he's got ammo, and I mean that, as we've seen, Howie is not afraid to use these picks to go get a player that, you know, he let – and that's what I love about it. He did it halfway with A.J. Brown to where, you know, A.J. Brown came out unhappy. The news on it kind of died down. People kind of really started expecting A.J. Brown to show up and be with the Titans. And then, wham, Howie comes in and gets them. Um, you know, for what we could argue would be a freaking discount, you know. So, yeah. and, and he's he sweeps sweeps in every year. He's not afraid to do it in the season. He's not afraid to do it before the season starts. So, 
I really don't think that we're finished from an offseason perspective yet. Um, obviously, you'll see as we get closer to camp, we'll add those couple of guys that are there to give camp competition and maybe a long shot to make the team. Because um, I think what you you get a hundred, I think it is now, or no, I'm sorry, it's like a 75 man roster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last time I looked, we were only at like 72 or 73. So we still got some spots to fill um, as we head into camp. You know, obviously you'll see those spots get filled, but from what I've been hearing and the grumblings and all the pages that I've been paying attention to, how he's trying to work on something because there's, he's not happy with the holes. And I mean, maybe he sees a hole that we don't, you know, so um, it'll be interesting to see. The things I mainly probably see him address would actually, I'm going to ruin a potential topic. Uh, safety, of course, potentially a right guard, but I think how we completely trust Stoutland to. Yeah. I don't think we make a move there unless Jeff tells him to. And I think that's kind of how he's played it. I mean, he played it that way uh, with Andre Dillard. He played it that way with, I mean, and think about that. He's going to go down depending on how good he ends up being in his career. Jordan Mulata is going to go down as one of the greatest success stories you see in the NFL. Besides seventh round pick. Besides Tom Brady, that is the best pick in NFL history. Right. It could could very well be. (laughs) Besides Tom no. Brady, that was the best pick ever. <laughs> Those are one A and one B, especially for Eagles history. And think about that: that same pick came from the man in that same draft, who for that draft and the next two or three drafts got killed for the players that he brought us in that draft. But still, he found us just the greatest freaking you know pick in Eagles history, probably as he'll turn out to be. Um, he's already in contention for it as far as, you know, late round draft picks that ended up being just studs for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it, it's as much flack as he's gotten, you know, unfairly and things like that. He's at least, you know, how he's, and, and you know, who knows the credit goes to that with is it Stoutland? And I'm sure he probably trusts his word on that. He's probably earned that. I mean, hell, he's, I think he's definitely the highest-paid offensive line coach in the NFL. He's one of the higher-paid assistants. Oh, for sure, for sure, and rightfully so. Um, I'm so glad we was able to steal a guy like him from, of course, uh, Alabama. I'm just glad we've been able to hang on to him, you know, as much, especially as much credit as he's gotten over the past three years. Mm-hmm. The fact that nobody has – and I've heard that he is not interested in – and that's why people really like him. He's not interested in being an offensive coordinator. He's not interested in being a head coach. He loves coaching the offensive line. That's where his passion's at. And that's where he wants to stay, is at least what they say about it. But the fact that, you know, I mean, that nobody else has swept in and offered, I mean, like you said, one of these college teams, this college with the money that they have, they can come in and trump an NFL team almost any time they want with money. You know, unless you're one of the higher echelon of earning teams in the league. So, you know, the fact that we've been able to retain him, um, lock him in, it doesn't sound like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Every offseason, I have a little half worry that somebody's going to finally pluck him away from us. But, you know, without him having that interest to move up, he's an older guy. He's in a pretty contentious position. 
uh, and he seems like he loves the Eagles organization and is really in tight with the ownership and leadership over there. Um, you know, so – and shout out to the Eagles for really, really taking it and hammering that home. There's a lot of companies out there. There's a lot of teams out there, whatever, that try to preach that family or that brotherhood or, you know, whatever they want to preach. Um but you know, only one of them out there is, is actually really doing something. All right. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you really quick, uh, before we take another break here. Um so the supplemental draft is also coming up. This is probably something you all don't even hear about really often because honestly, I feel like it's been away. Yeah, it's been away. It's been on a three-year hiatus. So there's a guy by the name of Chris Carter who got drafted in the NFL supplemental draft. There's right. a guy who I feel like we can also take in a supplemental draft with a late pick. A receiver out of Purdue. His name is Milton Wright. Four-star high school recruit out of Louisville. He was academically ineligible for the 2022 season, but had a solid season in 2021 at six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, he finished with 57 catches and 732 yards and seven touchdowns for the Boilermakers in 2021. So obviously, this is someone we can put a bid in. Um, this guy's pretty young, born in 2000. So, what, he's only 22, 23 years old. Um, he won state championship. Uh, he went to Christian Academy at Louisville, uh, posted 67 receptions, 1,010 yards as a senior. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned, he was a four-star recruit, third best player in the state. And uh, he wow. committed to play with Purdue. So this is something I wanted to comp- throw completely out of left field because Howie is going to turn every stone to fill this roster. And with the fundamental right. draft coming back after being gone for three years, how he will do is due diligence and see if there's a team, a player worth taking in that draft, um, especially with all the picks that we have. So I'm pretty sure if there's somebody he really likes, he's not going to hesitate to fork over a mid to late round pick, of course. Facts. Yeah. We've seen it, man. He's not afraid. Yeah. And with the supplemental draft, uh, been a mixed bag of results. As I mentioned, Chris Carter was taken there. Josh Gordon, the receiver, couldn't stop smoking weed in Cleveland. Uh, quarterback Bernie Kosar. Um, Steve Walsh was also selected there. Terrell Pryor and also current Arizona Cardinal safety, Jalen Thompson. So there's names you for sure know. There's names like Bernie Kosar and Steve Walsh you should know. There's Terrell Pryor who got converted from a quarterback to a receiver who really didn't work out. All he could do was run straight. And Arizona Cardinals safety, Jalen Thompson, who I would have to Google to legitimately tell you anything about. So mixed bag of results. Um, never know what you're going to get. But using a mid-late round pick uh, to forfeit to potentially take somebody like that, I mean, it's an option. As I mentioned, guys, what, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, I mean, we do have the one guy, Joseph Nada, right now from uh, Clemson, who seemed to be doing wonderful in OTAs with the 50-50 balls, but right. we're always going to look at more options, of course. Um, right. We're going to take another quick break here. Next, um, definitely going to dive into positions that Howie might like to fill. Um, 
And then I want to spotlight, we're going to spotlight one last player, um, somebody you might not know, somebody you for sure shouldn't know, and somebody who's also been making a lot of buzz during training camp here. So last break, we're going to come back on our last segment and knock this out the park for y'all. Affinity Link, a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. We'll be right back with you all. Hey, man, what's up? What's happening? Check this out and dig this. It's your boy, Nephew Q, and I need everybody listening to the sound of my voice to do me a solid one time for the one time. Do your boy a favor and go subscribe to our YouTube channels, KY Beyond the Game and Conversations with Q. But if you can't sit down and watch us on YouTube, don't worry about that. We got you covered as well as you can listen to the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. So we always in your back pocket. You can always listen to us and turn on that notification so you can get a notification every time a new show drop what type of shows do we have i'm glad you asked so underneath the beyond the game umbrella we have shows like spoken minds hosted by ike baron and chris jones where they talk about everything with sports and entertainment in a way that you've never ever heard before oh that's not your flavor don't worry about it we got you covered with conversations with q a show about life love entertainment sports culture society and everything in between oh fan- oh football is your flavor well don't worry about it we got you covered with that as well with our infinity link podcast a show about all things philadelphia eagles related hosted by Donovan Jarman and Drew. But hold on, for our fantasy football players out there, we got a show for you that talks about fantasy football in ways that you've never, ever heard it before with our We So KY Fantasy Football Podcast. Oh, oh, wait a minute. We ain't left out basketball. We got our NBA Fast Break Podcast hosted by Keezy and Nephew Q that keeps you up to date with all things going on in the NBA. And then we have our Infinity Link Podcast, a show about all things Philadelphia Eagles related, hosted by D- Drew and Donovan Jarman. But hey, we ain't left Big Blue Nation out of the building. We got our I Rock UK Blue Podcast hosted by Bravo and Rich the Bull that talks about everything University of Kentucky related. Hey, you're not a Big Blue fan? That's cool. Don't worry about it. Don't trip. Donovan Jarman got you covered with his The Hills Have Eyes podcast, a show about all things University of Kentucky related. Oh, wait a minute. So you a Tampa Bay fan? <laughs> hey, man, we got our Buccaneer breakdown for you, talking about all things Tampa Bay Buccaneer related. So like I said, man, whatever mood you in, we got a show for you. Ladies, we ain't left you out. We got shows for you, too. Dive on in and see what we talking about. But hey, I've already taken up too much of your time. Make sure you download the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Hit that notification. I'm getting ready to get on about here. Let's see what else we talking about. Jill. Infinity Link, a Philadelphia Eagles podcast love story, whatever you want to consider it. Um, Drew was talking about positions that uh, Howie Roseman might look to add to or stack um, as the season dawns upon us. Um, So mention safety, that's like an obvious choice. Um, Right guard, there's some potential. Honestly, receiver is still a potential in my personal beliefs. But um, linebacker. I see that as an area where we add like another veteran piece because we are really young at linebacker. Um, right. Well, just even having somebody, a vet in there, just with a lot of knowledge that the young guys can kind of go to would be great. One guy that I've been, we've been hearing a lot about is uh, Mr. Christian Ellis with two S's, two L's, two S's. A um, little background on him. He was born in Highlands, Colorado, 6'3", 238. He's the third oldest out of 12 kids. His brother, Caden Ellis, plays for Atlanta. Um, He attended the University of Idaho. His sophomore year at middle linebacker, he was all big sky. 
Um, he was all Big Sky first team and outside linebacker. He led the team with four and a half sacks and played second with 104 tackles. And this is also his second stint with the Eagles. Wow. Yes. So if there's any player that has raised their stock in minicamp, it's Ellis. The special team right. out from the final third of the season. Ellis had two interceptions, a pass breakup, and two open practices. Ellis was on the second team at linebacker early in OTAs, but was up on the wow. first next to N'Kobe Dean in the final open practice. I heard about that, yeah. But with an opening um, on the first team at linebacker, Ellis is in the mix to compete with Nicholas Morrow for the starting job. We also have Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor also in competition. But Ellis has moved up the depth chart. Did we bring Davion back? I didn't know that. Yep, he's still there. Okay. Oh, that's what we had him on the practice squad most of the year. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I thought we had moved on from him. Nah, he's still floating around. This is what we got Sean Bradley. We got Ellis. We got Morrow. Of course, we got Nicobe. That's I feel it. like I'm missing somebody. Is that it? That's it. Ah, uh, yeah. I definitely expect us to add to that room then. Especially with the few players we got left on our few spots we got left on the wrong foot. Or if all else fails, make Sidney Brown a glorified outside linebacker if he's not going to be safety. Well, right. And, you know, back to that point, it'll be interesting to see with this new, yes, same type scheme, same principles of scheme. Um, but, you know, there's always new ripples. So, you know, let's see. You know, it'd be interesting to see how many of our, like you said, maybe that's why we're not going to carry many linebackers. We'll carry more safeties. Yeah. Um. So, biggest weakness, biggest weaknesses, obviously, right guard, just because it's unknown. Safety, same thing, unknown, and linebacker depth. So, that's where I figure how we will add something to. I want to be greedy and just go add D-Hop and, you know, move Smitty to the slot or <laughs> switch him and hop in, intertwine, intertwine between switching all three of them out the slot because AJ can, can do some damage from the slot as well. Absolutely. So, I mean, if we have uncertainties of safety, um, I think our defensive line should be able to mask a lot combined with our cornerbacks, should be able to make people pay when uh, – the defensive line is first forcing the quarterback to get rid of the ball early. So between defensive line and the two all-pro cornerbacks, um, I'm hoping that's will lead our team um, defense anyway, and I hope the linebackers can kind of just fall in. Same thing with the safeties. Um, one thing I know our safety group can do is hit, so I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. All else fails. Yeah. They're going <clears> to <throat> put a hit on you. See uh, ball, kill ball. Yes. But kind of like we did last year, just by putting up a lot of points um, to mask some of our weaknesses, like our run defense last year, why not give D-Hop a contract? I know that <laughs> I know that might make the receiver room kind of mad because no doubt Smitty is going to lead in receptions. He's going to have that. He's going to have the most receptions. Yards, right. you batted back and forth. But will that make A.J. Brown mad? Is he at the point where he's still trying to stack his stats, pad him up, you know, to add to his personal career and his personal legacy? Or I think he's got his money. I think he wants to win. 
Yeah, is he okay? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I hate to do it, but I'm gonna flush your pipe dream of, of pop down the toilet. I just really just don't see it happening, especially with the way Sirianni has led on. Um, you know, I just I don't see that happening. Um, but you know, I, I I do think that AJ's at the point of his career. He's gotten paid. He's gotten what he's needed. Um, you know, yeah, I think he wants to win, and I think you know playing with Jalen is a big factor to him as well. So, I mean, I think he would go down for the greater good of the team. But do I think that um, that we're gonna add? I, if we add to that room, I could see it being like another fringe got to compete. Um, D Hop to me, it just sounds like he's more destined at this point for the Patriots or the uh, Titans. All right. Well, since uh, Drew wants to ruin my dream, um, <laughs> I guess come, um, what am I looking for? Um, when Madden 24 comes out, I'm definitely going to go ahead. If Hop's still out there, add him to the Eagles, you know, and I'll run with that. Well, and you, I was going to, you know how this works for me now that I've said that it's not going to happen next week. Watch will pop up and whoop, D Hop signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. I doubt it. I see more likely like Rashad Penny gets cut and we sign Dalvin. Like I right before we. That was an interesting one, man. Yeah, you should speak on that a little bit because that was definitely a, a interesting move. I could see us potentially making. Now, of course, I'm going to say that I think odds on favorite um, is that he ends up um, in Miami. But I mean, I don't know if you caught the interesting piece. Both of them were talking about it. Uh, they said they'd like to play together, so maybe that could make your dream scenario come true if we cut Penny, add Dalvin, and Dehop. There's like literally three teams that can afford both of them, and none of those. We're teams, not one of them. <laughs> yeah, none of those teams are like on the cusp of like winning a Super Bowl either. So, right, yeah, right no, and that, neither one of them has a great quarterback or. Yeah, there's know. there's three teams with that cap space to handle that, but um. That's another guy like we could bring in. Um, Penny, don't know if he can stay healthy. Um, he's amazing when he is healthy, um, arguably a top 10 running back when he's fully healthy. But if uh, he doesn't believe in him, Sirianni's not ready to elevate like uh, Trey Sermon yet, maybe keep him in the doghouse or, you know, just kind of in the chamber for now, bring in like uh, Dalvin Cook for one year because he's ready to chase him now um he's his entire career in minnesota um he had that shoulder surgery um so he feels like he's not running you know kind of worrying about his shoulder and it popping out and things like that so mentally he feels like he's in a better place so when you're mentally in a better place not worry about your physical capabilities you're out there playing football because you're not worrying about what you might can't do or if i get hit this way if i land this way if i cut this way you're not out thinking yourself and out psyching yourself, which can certainly. Right. Um, uh, for sure. Yeah. So somebody like Dalvin, especially in short yard situations, I love to see like uh dual running backs in the backfield where we maybe have Swift and Kenny G on one side or, you know, there's a lot of fun things we can do with Swift. Split Swift out wide, bring him back to the backfield alongside with Kenny G. Of course, Kenny G is a wonderful and pass pro, so he's not going to let Hurts get hit. Um, he's going to lay wood to anybody coming after the quarterback. And we already right. have a wonderful offensive line anyway, so 
yeah, there's a lot of fun things I can see us doing. Um, I like to see AJ with more like free range, kind of like we've seen with um, Travis Kelsey. Kind of just, dude, just go out there and get open. I, I, you have a route, but if you see something different, break it off and get open. Right. Um, I definitely want to see that. Um, the uh, scramble drill, Smitty, AJ Brown, just getting open because I fully trust their knowledge and their route running abilities that if you don't see what you're about to do, it's going to work. Break it off, get open. Trust Hurts is going to find you. And I keep talking right. to AJ Brown and, of course, Smitty and what we think about Quez and Alameda, things like that. And we also have Goddard. Like, how do you forget about a guy like that? Um, we right. haven't mentioned his name maybe three times. I'm happy yeah. with what we got, but I also like to be greedy, kind of like we've got funny. That's a pun because we have Greedy Williams at cornerback. But, <laughs> but what we've done with the cornerback room, I'd love to see us get greedy with that with like the receivers. Um, another guy I'm also still high on, he got better in the punt return game, um, Burton Covey. I'd love to see him really hone into that slot. I heard some good things. I mean, he got some time with the, the twos, I believe, um, in their little OTAs that they ran. I heard he was looking good out there. And that um, they didn't even – I don't think they had him on punt returns. Or I heard something like that, something silly like that. They better put him back. If Kenny you know, the, I know they took Smitty away from it, and I'm okay with that. You know, they, But they did take Smitty off there. You only use Smitty in that instance like, you know, you're trying to hit a Deshaun Jackson type home run or something. Of course, their speed is completely different from one another, but, you know – I'm more advocated, especially with his speed. Now, I don't know how he does on his vision and things, but Quez is somebody that I'd like to see back there a lot more as fast as he is. You know, we need, you know, look back to what one of the things that killed us in the Super Bowl with uh, Kadarius Toney going crazy on us like that on that kick return. So, you know, if he's got the vision and can do it, that would be another spot where, you know, he can make an impact. I think Quez is more straight line speed versus like mm-hmm. Covey. He's not extremely fast, but he's shifty um, and has a lot of agility. So like one or two cuts and like, yeah, he can break for a big one as evident as he did in college. If nobody's seen Britton Covey, what he like did in college return game or as a leading receiver for Utah, look that up and you'll, you'll understand exactly why I'm high on this guy. Um, look up the Rose Bowl, um, Ohio State. It was like two, three years ago. What this is a second year, yeah. So like two years ago, Rose Bowl. Look at what he did um, in that game, in the punt kickoff return game, and what he did out the slot. I want to say he had like two or three touchdowns, and one of them was certainly a return. But wow. last year, I know people were highly concerned about him. Um, I mean, at one point, he couldn't even get into the stadium. Uh, <laughs> so that's concerning um but to put into perspective during the last 10 games Kobe Kobe had averaged 13.3 yards per return the yeah, NFL started coming off yes the NFL's leading punt returner minimum 20 punt returns was New England's Marcus Jones who averaged 12 and a half yards per return so Covey was Covey was quietly effective and probably doesn't get proper recognition for his 2022 season because it started so poorly. Right. Uh, 
So if he can keep up that level of play that he showed during the back end of the 2022 season, Dovey could be one of the top punt returners in the NFL in 2023, at least in term, uh, terms of average yards per return, though he never really came close um, to taking one to the house as a rookie. I, all right, bold prediction. I give him, if nothing else, I get, he got his ass killed last year a handful of times where I was like, oh, man, is he going to get up? That man never once. I don't think laid there for half a second. He can take a lick. <laughs> That's for sure. He can take a lick. Um, bow prediction. Uh, Covey's going to return two early punts uh, for touchdowns early in the season. I'm going to put it with oh, the first six games. First six not games. even one, two within the first six games. Wow. I mean, okay. I mean, where he was drafted, it's kind of time for him to turn it on. Like, dude, you got to prove something. You got to at least lock yeah. down one position for your future. If it's not going to be a receiver, make it special teams. I see him getting two. I I believe in him. Britton, don't make me look bad. Um, and please don't at get your At least get my man one. one. At least get him one. Because, I mean, he went out on a limb for you, too. You have officially become uh, his Quez Watkins for me. <laughs> uh, I done went out on a limb so many times for Quez. That's why I'm keeping quiet about you. Even though I like what I hear, we have all the faith and confidence in the world in you. Um, small side note, I did see uh, something was going on. I think it was maybe around that time that article I shared with you about Quez doing well. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, if you go into the comment section on any of those type things, well, what the guy that I know that knows Steph or that knows um, Quez, which is Stephon Brown, who played wide receiver at Western, and he's a Highly regarded uh, wide receiver trainer. I think he was coaching somewhere down in Georgia. I don't know if he's still coaching or not. Um, but anyways, at any rate, he was on there going back and forth with uh, some of the people on IG that were under the article making comments about, you know, you know how Eagles fans can be. Quest cost us the Super Bowl, uh, blah, 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 blah. Which, you know, man, I mean, we ought to be used to stuff like that, guys. Uh his his drop was no worse than Jalen Rager's. And, I mean, really, Quez's wasn't a drop. It was – I don't think he realized that had he laid out for that ball, how close it was to him, you know. And it, it was a mistake that, obviously, he's probably took to the heart uh, and took to his chest. And, you know, thankfully, hopefully he's letting it motivate him all offseason. And I would love nothing more to see Quez Watkins make the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl this year. Oh, that'd be wonderful because Quez, his only strength isn't speed. Like last year, it's it sucks because his opportunity was limited. Dwindled. When there's one or two things that he does out of two attempts, out of ten attempts, it's like, oh God, you suck. No, 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 completely wrong. Because Quez right. contested catches last year. I was like, besides that. The Super Bowl, that game versus the Washington Dallas. football team was the only thing. Oh, man. I'm yeah, sorry. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot. I Man, I have that. I like, I, man, real, I, you know, I like to keep it real with y'all. So I'm okay. I almost swore off of it that game. I called, I said so many bad things on my TV to him. Um, that, I, I man, never forget it. He caught it, and I'm like, "Oh, he caught it! Get up and go, go, go!" 
knowing as fast as Quez is, and then he pulls the classic, like, I mean, it's just a creature habit type thing. Most of us in the situation probably do the same thing. He starts looking behind him to see who's coming, and then, of course, as soon as he turns around and looks behind him, the dude's coming on his other shoulder and knocks the ball out from him. I mean, I never, oh, man. That, talk about heartbreak. Another game. I mean, think about that. It was the greatest of years we had. That's one we let him get away. Um, you know, and I think obviously the Super Bowl will be the ultimate one that we think back on for a long time is one we got away, but I got a feeling like I said, we're going to make us all this, this will be a distant memory. Kind of like when we won in 2017, it made 2004 distant memory for us as well. Yeah. Um, going back to linebackers, I'm looking at some projections. Looks like we have locks, Nicobe Dean, Christian Ellis. Likely Nicholas Morrow, Bubble, they have Sean Bradley, uh, Keon Johnson, uh, Ben Van Summer, who I'm high on, and Long- Keon Johnson. That's who I was forgetting. Yeah, that's he was he didn't get much. They oh, and Pat Johnson too. But have they moved him to defensive end because I know they liked him a lot last year too. He got a good amount of clock. Um, Pat Johnson points last year, he's an edge rush now. Oh, okay, so they finally officially moved him to edge. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what we're going to do with Derek Barnett um, because he does have a lot to prove, and uh, he's probably – I keep seeing him get brought up as our most likely trade target, you know, that there's probably a team that could come in right now and get him from us for like – but see, that's this is where, you know, Howie being Howie again, I don't think Howie will sell him for peanuts. You know, I think, hell, if anything, he'd rather let him walk for nothing next year. Um but yeah, he's he's one. I mean, we've talked throughout. I, I I mean, it's it's do or die time for him, and unfortunately, the injury forced him into that. As special as our defense was last year, I mean, he's been good. What was his lowest sack total that he's had with us? Like maybe four or five. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's still he could have added to that sack total last year. Somebody that was missing from our defensive line that was historically great. You know, it's it'll go down. Um, I know now none of the players will singly or individually go down as great as Reggie White will. But, I mean, that'll go down as the greatest offensive line or the defensive line that we've ever had. I mean, they broke the sack record and damn near broke the overall one for the NFL. Came like, what, two shy? Yeah, I think we actually get that this year. Another bold prediction. Man, and if we can outdo that this year, oh, my God. But I just think, and I mean, that's one of the reasons I temper myself um, as excited as I am for the season and things is where we also have to realize is that everything we did last year, we better have a new plan for this year because the film is out there. You're not going to be able to come out and do the same things you did last year and keep having the same success. But where it excites me on the defensive side of the ball, and I think we have a chance to be even better defensively, is that, you know, we literally have, um, and I, what I would think would be an upgraded defensive coordinator and a play caller. Um, I try not to be real hard on Jonathan Gannon, but at the same time, we can't be too hard on our numbers because we are facing um, a lot more potent offenses this coming up season, or at least on paper before the season starts, more potent offenses um, than we faced last year. And that's, I love it because one thing that we have. Um, especially on offense for sure. I will say we with the cornerbacks as well. But between Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, 
and Smitty, we have some gamers, like guys who don't want to be outdone by any metric, especially from the opposite team. Obviously, Smitty, world-class at everything he does in receiver. That's another guy who's expected to make another jump this year, and he's already had top 10 receiver numbers last year. So Hurts jumps to elite. A.J. Brown just keeps doing what he's doing and getting better. And Smitty provide less stress on him. And, of course, Goddard's going to do whatever he's going to do because, of course, he's going to get the job done. You heard what I said. I'm predicting three 1,000-yard receivers this year. Yeah, so these three teams are going against, they're not going to want to be outdone by their counterparts. Uh, right. We, when we play those teams like, what is it, uh, Dolphins, um, A.J. Brown and Smitty are going to want to prove they're the better duo. Um, Jalen wow. Hurts got benched for Tua in a national championship game. Do you not think that is bulletin board material? That is something that's going to be on his mind that whole week leading up to that game. Right. And Sirianni's going to remind him because we know we have a cocky coach. That's- oh, oh, I was going to say, <laughs> you already know that that it won't come out in the media like that because I don't think that they'll put the bulletin board material out there like that. I think Nick learned his lesson a couple times that he's put the bulletin board material out there. Um, but I think, yes, on the inside challenge, that's going to be – you know, this guy took your job. What better chance do you have than to go? But that is, if I'm being honest, that is one of the games that I worry about this year. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, maybe where our speed amongst our cornerbacks isn't the best, that is the number one thing that they're good at. And I just remember the last time Tyree Kill faced Darius Slade. Now, granted, he didn't have James Bradbury on the other side of him. Uh, it was literally Slay and I think a bunch of undrafted guys, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I think Maddox was out. We had a bunch of injuries that year. Uh, but I, all I know is that Tyreek Hill was absolutely – I mean, even Slay in the press conference afterwards was like, damn, that man's fast. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it it's the one thing I worry about with a team like that is they do have the speed to open us up. Uh, which is going to make our safety play even more important there. Um, because as you saw, the times that we did get beat deep last year, I mean, we didn't get beat deep a whole lot. But the times we did, it seemed like it was a communication issue. Um, you know, obviously, as we've learned, um, Slay didn't completely throw him under the bus, but he might as well have. So that play was definitely on Josiah Scott. They were in a inverted cover three where the nickel corner is supposed to basically become that third um, safety, and that in that defense, it's supposed to give your quarterback a different look, something that he so that somebody likes like can potentially undercut a route. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you run a defense like that. And yeah, Josiah Scott um, blew it. He he didn't either. He got the play call wrong. Either he didn't get deep enough or whatever. But I mean. By the time Slay noticed it, I mean, there was nothing they could do. They gave a 32-year-old receiver um, a 35-yard game. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm an a-hole. So knowing that Jalen Hurts arrives at the facility pretty early, I want to put a bid in for the Eagles to let me control the monitors and the jumbotron the week uh, leading to that Dolphins game. Because I'm going to make sure everything that has a screen on it shows Tua throwing that game when a touchdown to Devontae Smith in that national championship game. One, because I know Jalen Hurts is not a fragile guy. He's not weak mentally. 
that's not something right. that break him like Carson Wentz. Right. Take Where them. everything has to be coddled and perfect for the guy. Jalen wants the tough coaching. He accepts it. He wants the criticism. Um, and it's almost, you know, it's it's fuel. He does what you would want to see. I mean, that's what you want your your kids to do, you know, is you want them to take the criticism and let them fuel them to be better. And he embodies that. So I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Take, take I mean – if I was them, that's I, I would just have quotes taped in his locker all week that week too. Yeah, you know. picture put up. I put where Tools announced the starting quarterback the next year. Before. Post the news article. Mm-hmm. Post the news article after Tua won the national championship, and we're I talking and highlight Jackson. the part where they bench him. I'd find the newspaper from the day after that national championship game where Tua's on the cover and make sure that's at his doorstep when he opens. But you know who I'm really, besides Jalen, who I'm giving that to? Yeah. My defense. Oh, of course. Because you hear, to me, Jalen's biggest impact is not on how great of a player he is. It's how his teammates feel about him and go to war for him. I mean, we talked about it before. He is truly a guy that lifts up other guys' play because they do not want to disappoint him. They do not want to let him down. They don't want to be looked at as the reason why, you know, they lost or this or that or whatever. So, you know, that's where his impact for me goes beyond his physical talent and his physical skills. So I'm giving that hey, to my defense. And especially, you know, I mean, you hear guys like BG. I give it to the leaders on my defense. Guys like Slay, Cox, and say, hey, man, y'all take care of this for me. There's not going to be a shadow of a doubt who the better quarterback is because you because you know the media will hype that up all week, too. We're not going to have to do it. They, they technically won't have to put a, a video in, in Jalen's locker or anything like that. It, all he's going to do is turn on the, the first take or anything from those weeks, and you're going to hear them talk about Jalen or Tua, Jalen or Tua. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, and and it'll be the talk of the week, depending on how they're doing that year you know, or this year. And depending on how they're doing leading into that game, who would you rather have? That's going to be the big conversation. It'll be all over again, you know, for Jalen. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm giving that to my defense and telling them, let's end this shit tonight. You know, or today. I can't remember if that's a night. I think that's one of our night games, though, isn't it? NBC's yeah. got that one. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> Defensive line should know um, when two is rattled, he's rattled. So get after him. Get Happy after feet. Him you don't even have to sack him. If you get close and he completes a pass, just say something. I'm here and I'm going to be here every snap. Oh, you know BG every chance he gets. <laughs> <laughs> you know BG's going to be barking at him in the pregame. Um, you know, and, and obviously they only show us the, the PG excerpts and, you know, they kind of bleep some things out, but you know, the, in the trenches, those those get pretty nasty. And you forget them Georgia boys were doing a lot. And that's one of the things that they not only hard-nosed, but they were a nasty defense that would let you know about it, too. So, I mean, think about the guys that we've got bringing in that we're expecting to make jumps for us this year, too. Um, you know, they've got a little bit of swagger and a little bit of mouth to them, too. So, and, and I mean, honestly, that's how I like my defense. And you've heard what our defensive coordinator said. He won me. He won the whole city, I think. Uh, when he had his first press conference and said he wants to be nasty. You know, he wants to be that defense that, you know, you 
you don't want to, as a player, whether it's a quarterback or an offensive lineman or a, you know, receiver or running back, you're laying in bed the night before you're facing them and you're like, damn, better <laughs> get ready for this one tomorrow. I'm about to, you know, go into war tomorrow. Um, and you know, that to us, I mean, that's what we personify with Jim Johnson, you know, that's, he'll always live in Eagles lore for just those. I mean, we talked about him earlier, Jeremiah Trotter. We talked about his son, just that nastiness, you know, Hugh Douglas, the same way. So glad to see you, by the way, Hugh, shout out to you for being, uh, back in Philadelphia on the radio, man. It used to kill me having to hear you act like you were a Falcons fan. Uh, (laughs) so glad to see you back, man, where you belong. Yes, sir. We're going to end this one on two things. Um, two, two edge rushers talking about the best is yet to come for them. Um, Josh Sweat is looking to build on a career year. Um, Hassan Reddick feels like he has even more to prove. So hearing that from your two potentially starting edge rushers, most likely that's a wonderful thing to hear. Um, them just having that confidence. Them inside the locker room, I'm pretty sure they have friendly competition on who's going to finish with the most sacks, who's going to get after the quarterback the most. Just stats. We just seem to have that along with the rookie. There's probably some money on it. I, and if and if I'm one of the defensive <laughs> line coaches, and I bet, I, and I'm so glad, I can't remember his name right now. We talked about him last, uh, when we did the assistant coach's spotlight. Uh, but our defensive line coach as well is a lovable dude. He hasn't been with us nearly as long as Stout. Doesn't have the the camaraderie in Philadelphia, but he does have the camaraderie amongst his players um, on that offensive or on that defensive line. So You're talking- uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, and if he doesn't, then I'm, I'm hopefully giving you some free game right here, coach, <laughs> man, tell him whoever finishes with the highest, you're going to buy him a car. They going, you know, whatever, or Howie go write the shit on the locker room when, when the season starts. Okay. Here's, here's what we're going to do. Whoever finishes with the most sacks, I'm going to buy you a car, you know, incentivize these men. And I know they've already got plenty of them written into their contract. But, man, think about that from from what you said just a second ago about Josh Sweat. If he continues to take another step, what he had, like, 15, 16 sacks, something like that last year? I know it was up there. Um, I mean, dude, we're talking, if he continues to take steps like that, we're talking about sack record numbers. You know, individual sack record numbers. I don't remember if that got reset last year or not, but you know, I think it was twenty-two and a half. Uh, Hassan Reddick wasn't that far off from it this past year, um, and I know that Bosa and somebody else were real close to getting it. So I don't know if they ended up getting twenty-three and a half or not. Um, but that's, I mean, yeah. If I'm first day of training camp, you know, or first day before the season starts, you probably don't want to do that in training camp. You're focusing on getting better. Uh, and you're not really worried about stats and numbers. But, yeah, if I'm the line coach, our first defensive line meeting the first week of the season before our first game or pregame or whatever, all right, man, I'm going to lay it out there. I, You know, to me or you, I'd be like $1,000. Yeah, I'll give you an extra grand. Well, the extra grand doesn't have really nothing. nothing so, no, I'm, yeah. going, I'm going heavier on that. Like, Get a car. You're going to get a car, man. Yeah, we, We're going to buy you a car or – you know, you're gonna get a hundred grand or something. Car or you no, know, all all playoff team dinner, all playoff dinners are on me. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, D line coach, you're talking about uh, Coach Rocker, Tracy Rocker out there. Yes, thank uh, you. Last, I year. wanted to call him Brian for some <laughs> reason, but that's our, but that's our offensive coordinator now. Yes, sir. Last year, Brian Sweat, 
Last year, Sweat finished off with 11 uh, sacks and 16 starts. And uh, as I said, he's feel like the he feel like the best is yet to come. And pretty much same thing that Hassan said. Um, he just feels like the best is yet to come here, come for him as well. So I wanted to end this episode some fun. Um, of course, the Kelly Green jersey seemed to possibly have been leaked. I've seen some youth jerseys being sold out in Jersey somewhere. Not sure if you those getting you one, bro. Huh? You getting you one, bro? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm torn. Uh, once they're official, once they're official, I'll get one. But I'm waiting. I'm torn between several players. I'm gonna ask you who you rather have. Um, I want another Hurts jersey. Um, I got that platinum Super Bowl version one. Right. Um, but I'm torn between Hurts, Smitty. Um, I certainly want a Kelsey jersey at some point, but I think I'm gonna get that. Right. I think I'm gonna get that one in Midnight Green. Um. Hertz, Smitty, Kelsey, AJ, um, and at some point I do want a Lane Johnson jersey. When I look for jerseys, right. I'm gonna look at players that's like gonna be there like for of course ever or just or have been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I just yeah. don't want a jersey everyone's walking around with. So, you know, we probably see a lot of Hertz jerseys out there, probably a lot of Smitty and AJ Browns per se. Right. I want to be that guy, you know, the steps. A lot of Slays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Slay, Slay is a jersey that I want. I'm glad that I haven't pulled the trigger because, like, I mean, and, and my Miles Sanders jersey isn't really like your authentic jersey. The, I've got a Hertz one. Um, I'll give you a good one, though, uh, and it's one I, I really want because, I mean, man, I still remember when we were young and he got drafted, and it was supposed to be all world when he came in. He had a really rough start to his Eagles tenure, but, I mean, now is absolutely you cannot mention the history of the Eagles without mentioning Mr. Brandon Graham. Um, that's one. I'd love to get that 55 jersey. Um, you know, he would probably be, like, the first defensive jersey I think I've ever gotten. Uh, I had McNabb when I was young. No, I'm sorry. I've got Dawkins, and I had uh, Dawkins when I was younger, too. So Dawkins would be probably the first defensive player that I owned. But, um, yeah, I really – I'll throw out Brandon Graham there for you. But out of the people that you mentioned, um, yeah, Lane's a must at some point. Kelsey, but, yeah, I kind of feel you on the midnight green with that. Um, got – let me see. Uh, Ellie Green, I'm, I'll, I think I want to get that one for Smitty. Right. That's almost got to be like one of your marquee ones. And like the only thing I always caution people with jerseys is you got to think of what's their chances of the longevity with their team. And I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. If y'all let Devontae Smith walk out that effing door for any other reason than some god-awful injury that happens that's out of the control, I'll be ready to riot. You better oh, not man. let him become the new Chris Carter. Uh, the guy that you let in. walk away that ends up being one of the best to ever play the game. I highly doubt we let him walk out simply because we jumped in front of the Giants to make sure that we got him. We traded up for him. So, yeah, I, I, I don't foresee us letting him go, but I'm just putting it out there that if they do, we're rioting. I will drive to Philly myself. <laughs> all right so another great episode in the books um deserved off-season edition is this let me go back to the notes sheesh because we've popped, four or five <laughs> yeah. this is off-season edition value five of the affinity link eagles podcast um 
training camps coming up. We got a few uh, joint practices coming up, so we'll definitely be able to see some things um, with these players, um, roster decisions, all that. A lot more to come from us, more consistency, more amazing news, uh, because we're going to try to throw something out of left field. You probably didn't know every single episode. If you don't hear about two or three things you didn't know prior about a staff member or a player, we're definitely going to try to fill you in on that. Um, and that'll be fun as we get into camp because we can do these guys that like, you know, hey, maybe they're a long shot to make the roster, but we can profile them and do some interesting things about them. Man, and shout out to you for real with the information that you're going in, uh, especially with DK out there. I almost wanted to slip up and call him DK Metcalf. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, just the information that you're pulling, man, because that takes time out of your day um and stuff that you're looking up so shout out to you for being tuned in and for bringing us some fresh content that you know hey every time we do it i'll learn something i didn't know about the the guy that i thought i knew something about already of course and we don't want to be like every other newscast or uh philadelphia sports uh news outlet that you hear about um we want you to be informed we want to learn stuff because of course we're diehard eagles fan um blood in right and we'd still love to have y'all on the show, man. So anybody out there, for real, we mean it. You want to come on and rap with us, talk Eagles football, uh, give us your own opinion, maybe tell us some ones that you you agree with or disagree with from us, man. Uh, we'd love to hear from y'all. Uh, Mr. Sean Gurton, I'm calling you out. You better get on at least before the preseason's over. Uh, you owe us that. There's a couple more of you, too, uh, that, that I owe, but I also want to close this. Uh, we did lose one of our good Eagles fans from our Beyond the Game group. Uh, this happened about a month or so ago, so we are a little late on mentioning it. My apologies for there. Uh, but Brandon Garner, man, rest in peace. Uh, I only got to know you through being an Eagles fan. Of course, you're a huge LeBron fan, which we kind of clashed there. Uh, but, you know, it's always sad to see one of our own go. Uh, so, man, you, you put in a word with the big man up there for us, and let's get us another ship. Yes, sir. Infinity Link, everything Eagles podcast, Don and Drew out. I'll let you.